This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens, fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself, and about the craft, the culture, and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 199 of Fireside. Tonight we're going to party like it's episode 199. This week on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have a bit of a departure from the Irish as we head around all the way to the other side of the world, where I am right now, to an epic story from Polynesian mythology. This is the story of Maui, the creator of islands. But first, a very big welcome uh, to all new and indeed returning listeners. If this is your first episode, you're more than welcome to listen to this, but naturally this, as I said, is a bit more of a of a departure from our usual fare. We usually stay in and around the Irish and the Celtic worlds of folklore and mythology. But every so often I like to spread the branches out depending on what makes sense for me and where I am in the world to mark kind of where I am and all. And I'll give a bit more context to this afterwards. But if you enjoy this episode, why don't you go back either 5, 10 or even nearly all 200 episodes ago to see the journey we've been building up to Fireside in the last four years. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. All the usual things, you f- please follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard or email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Those are the two best places to get in touch with me for any personal and professional queries or just to say hello, thoughts, queries, anything you want to say uh, to me, even just to say hi. Those are the best places to get. Uh, share these Share the episodes on your stories and social media. Just anything you can do to spread the good name of Fireside as we continue to grow over our journey. Um, and the other ways you can support, the my personal favorite way would be that you can buy my book, Garden Sea, my poetry book, A Neo-Myth of Home, is available in paperback from the Headstuff website or in Kindle version on Amazon. Links are in the description below. The paperback can be shipped all around the world. It is not too late to get those Christmas orders in. I should have been plugging these Christmas orders a little while back, but we had the launch recently enough, to be fair. Actually, from... Uh, Next week is it? Yes. Yeah, so by the t- actually yes. Yeah, so by the time the next episode comes out, uh, this will have already happened. But uh, Garden Sea will be a year out um, on the tenth of December. Um, it kind of had a, a slow launch because I uh, was swept away and asked away to to work in Dubai, and then I was straight into a tour of Australia. So, but from the tenth, the copies were on sale, and people were ordering them, and they were being sent all over the world, which was which was incredible and great, and super super proud of that. Um, but then, as I talked about in more recent episodes, we finally got to have a launch, a physical launch with the book last November, um, at the start of November, 
Um, but now, coming up to the 10th, it'll be a year since its publication. Um, and what a year it has been. It has changed my life in many subtle and in many major ways, um, all, all quite personal. Um, but it has really, it's changed changed things for me. And thank you so, so much to everyone who has bought it already and I hope continues to buy it. Um, there's nothing, there's no greater feeling I've had than being able to share something as personal as as this book and um, so thank you so much but if you want to support the podcast in other ways you can of course join headstuff plus at headstuffpodcast.com for as little as five euro a month you can pay more if you want to support the network support fireside and gain bonus access bonus content to not just fireside but for all of the podcasts on the headstuff podcast network those are all the hard sells out of the way the story for this week so i am recording to you now from my dressing room, I haven't done this in a while um, because I rarely get to do it. I think the last time I did this was about three quarters way through the door of Australia. Um, we usually have a group dressing rooms. We're here in Hastings in the beautiful Toy Toy Opera House in Hastings in on the North Island of New Zealand here with the World of Musicals. Usually I'm in a, a group dressing room, um, but the odd time the odd time I get my my own one and I always like that not for any kind of egotistical reason but I just usually like to clear my head before a show and you get very important uses for it such as being able to record a podcast so I'm very grateful to have had this space now because uh, usually I I share I share a room on tour with my girlfriend and we usually were either in private rooms or in apartments so it can be uh, harder to find uh, moments to record uh, although on the last episode we recorded my girlfriend was in the room um, list watching something with her headphones in so I was very very grateful to her for her patience and her cooperation there but we have a beautiful space here in this fantastic theatre so that is the setting you're getting right now um, but since before even coming to New Zealand and certainly since being here we've now been nearly all around the North Island and we fly to the South Island next week it is just the most magnificent and one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Culturally, the people here, the landscapes, absolutely everything. I, I've absolutely adored my time here and just getting to really see as much of it as as we can. Like we're on tour, so we're on the road an awful lot and we're working a lot. But we've just been taking any moment we can just to see as much and experience as much of this incredible country. Um, so we started in Toronga and we made our way over to Auckland up to the North Island in Whangarei, which is I think where I recorded the last episode, Kirikiri, then we moved all the way down uh, to the incredible Wellington at a fantastic show in Wellington, um, and now I've been making our way back across, we were in Napier, um, and now we're in Hastings tonight, and we've been a few other spots, so all over, and um, since before coming here, I'd like I had wanted to, like I had done one Aboriginal story, uh, when I was in Australia, I'd wanted to at least do a little sampling um, to mark for myself being in these places and as an opportunity to kind of discover more of the culture and the mythology and folklore of the individual places. I'd never want to go too deep into it because then I don't think it would be as appropriate for me as an Irish person and Irish storyteller um, to be diving in. I could be wrong there, maybe that would be appreciated, but just... Personally, for me, I would always like to keep this very rooted. I certainly know that a lot of the audience for this like me to keep it quite rooted and quite Irish as much as possible. Um, 
but this was particularly such a significant figure and significant character that I really wanted to cover him and I wanted to learn more about him. Um, and it is Maui. It is the demigod, the shapeshifter, the creator of islands, the one who slowed the sun, pulled the islands from the wave and uh, gave the world coconuts and had everything. Uh, one of the most... One of the most powerful and significant figures in any mythology in terms of accomplishment and power, and that comes from the Polynesian Islands. And I had known about Maui through. I've always I've always dreamed about going to Hawaii since I was about eleven, so I knew a little bit about him um, through Hawaiian the Hawaiian side of Polynesian mythology, um, and then of course like many Westerners. Um, met him in a major way in Moana in the Disney movie which I adored as well and and still adore but it was only since coming to New Zealand I started to see the Maori um, perspective and version of the Mo the Maui story and it is the because it is where I'm here it is the New Zealand is the Aotearoa um, the Maori version of the Maui creation myth that we will be doing today. So I will do things, that's a longer introduction than usual, but I will talk more about it afterwards, of course. But this is Maui, creator of islands on Fireside. Maui, creator of islands. The Toa de Danan, the ancient Celtic gods, did not create the world. They lived, ruled, and died in a world already formed. Their contributions were great to the island they would call their home, the island named for one of their own, the island of the sovereignty goddess, Era, an island they brought agriculture, poetry, and music to, a home for their nomadic Celts to settle and praise the Tuadedanan, and yet these gods did not create Ireland, nor were they even nearly its first settlers. The ancient Celts did not have a creation myth. If the world was created, or just naturally formed from an astonishingly unlikely placement of a rock near and far enough away from a star, this happened long before the Celtic gods. But on the other side of the world, Far away from the shores of Era lie a vast group of islands, separated from each other by thousands of miles of immense Pacific Ocean. The islands of Hawaii, Tahiti, Tonga, Fiji, Samoa, and far-off New Zealand. There, people know a different story. A story of a man, a demigod, to which we mere mortals owe just about everything. Like the sky he lifted and the sun he slowed, no name rises more than Maui. The greatest of heroes was born in the Pacific premature. His mother, Hina, was a goddess of the night, and Maui was her fourth son. Because he was born before his time, it was highly unlikely that this underdeveloped baby would survive. So his distant, deified mother cut a lock of her hair, wrapped it around Maui, and cast him from a cliff into the fathomless depths of the ocean. But the ocean had another plan. The baby was saved in a rare kind act by a jellyfish, 
who wrapped Maui up and gestated him to full term. Then he was carried to the seafloor, to the home of the gods. Here he felt the warmth of fire and of the potential of dry land. The gods had saved Maui for a reason. They had high expectations for this child. When he was old enough to walk, Maui was returned to land and found his home. He snuck into his family shack and met his three older brothers for the very first time. Their mother came home and did not believe this strange sea-soaked urchin was one of her own. That was until she saw what tied up Maui's topknot. It was the same lock of her own hair. The child she had left for dead had refused to die and had returned home. This prodigal son would immediately become his mother's favorite. Maui was delighted, but his brothers were not. Not until the eldest said, Never mind, let him be our dear brother. In the days of peace, remember the proverb, When you are on friendly terms, settle your disputes in a friendly way. When you are at war, you must redress your injuries by violence. It is better for us, brothers, to be kind to other people. These are the ways by which men gain influence, by laboring for the abundance of food to feed others, by collecting property to give to others, and by similar means by which you promote the good of others. Maui grew into an intelligent, precocious child, and soon discovered it was deep in his nature to be a trickster. Like Loki to the Norse, Anansi to the West Africans, or Angus Og to the Irish, Maui was the trickster god. When playing hide-and-seek with his brothers, Maui hid under a pile of sticks. After hours and hours, no one could find his hiding place. Even Maui was surprised. But that was the day he realized how special he was, for Maui was a shapeshifter. He had transformed himself into an insect, making the seek aspect of hide-and-seek almost impossible. Hina was a goddess of the night, and her nights were spent with her children. But every morning before her sons could wake, Hina would return to her other home in the underworld. Maui asked his mother where she went every morning, but his mother refused to tell him. So Maui determined to find out. As his mother and brothers slept, Maui covered up every crack and hole in their hut to block out any potential drop of the morning sun. Because of this, Hina did not wake with the dawn, and when she finally did, she cried in a panic at having been tricked by her youngest son. She hastily left the hut, and Maui watched as his mother lifted up a patch of grass, revealing a trap door. This was the passage to the underworld. Maui followed his mother, but not in his own form. He transformed into a Kiruru bird, a native pigeon, and descended into the underworld. There, Maui found all of his ancestors dancing beneath a sacred tree. The pigeon-formed Maui landed on a branch and began dropping berries down upon the gods. The gods answered with stones. Maui dodged each projectile until he recognized someone he had never met. His own father, 
Akalana. Maui allowed his father to strike him with a rock, and he fell to the earth. The gods were astonished to discover the bird had transformed into a young boy. The child was brought to a sacred river to become deified. But in the haste of Maui's father to perform the ritual, several rites and passages were omitted. This angered the gods, and Maui did not join their ranks. Instead, he would be a demigod, supernatural and powerful, but, like all men, doomed to die. But mortality is also a gift, and Maui would use his gift to benefit us all, and he would start with fishing. Maui had a great mind, but he was a weak fisherman. His brothers far excelled him at this craft. This was a time before mortals had fire. Maui himself would later do something about that. But because of this lack of flame, Maui did not know the joys of cooking. He survived mostly on uncooked berries, grain, and nuts. But in the reefs of the ocean, there lay a bounty of fish, and Maui longed to taste them. So the young brother would go on voyages with his three elder brothers in their long waka canoe. Maui was not a skilled fisherman, but he was still more clever than his brothers. So each of the others would catch fish, and the trickster Maui would tangle their lines together, and when no one was looking would snatch the fish for his own. This made the brothers refuse to take their clever, devious younger one with them ever again. Because of the importance of the craft, fishing was sacred, and a fisherman's hook would be carved from the bones of an ancestor of great importance. Maui's brothers each had one, but weak fisherman that Maui was, he did not receive such a gift. But Maui's brothers did not have the gifts that Maui had, and Maui descended back into the underworld where he met an ancestor, half of whose face was alive and half was dried bone. Maui asked for the jawbone of the left side of the ancestor's face. In fact, one translation for the name of Maui is on the left-hand side. With this jawbone, Maui carved his own hook, a hook that was so magical and powerful, Maui knew that he could not just use it for fishing. Maui asked his brothers to go out fishing one more time. His brothers refused, so the trickster changed into his insect form and burrowed into the corner of the waka. When the brothers were past the reef and far out to sea, Maui revealed himself. The brothers were angry, but they were too far out to bring the stowaway home now. Maui wanted to use his new hook. It had been a long time since he had crafted it, and he just felt today was the day. So Maui made his brothers row further and further out to sea, until no land could be seen in any direction. But these were wayfinders. They would always find land. And find land they did. Thousands of miles away from their home, Maui dropped his line. After some time, the line tightened. Maui had a bite. The young demigod began to pull, but this fish was beyond his strength. He asked his brothers to help, which they reluctantly did, 
It took the tensing of every muscle in all four of their bodies to rein the catch in. Maui told his brothers not to look, but focus on the pole, but soon the fish began to emerge from all around them. This huge catch was not scaled, but sandy and rocky and... and mountainous. Maui was pulling an island from the depths of the sea. When the vast form had risen, Maui went to explore his catch, but warned his brothers not to touch this great fish. This was a catch not for eating. But while Maui was away, the brothers once again resented the youngest for his success, and so they began cutting into the fish and throwing pieces on board their canoe. But as they did, the island began to tremble. Earthquakes thundered, and volcanoes erupted all over, smashing up the canoe and killing every one of Maui's three brothers. The demigod returned too late to save his stupid siblings, but he calmed the island catch. The gashes in the island from the brothers did not heal, and they became mountains and valleys stretching from sea to sea. Maui then began to explore this island, and was confused to discover settlers already living there. Settlers with something life-changing. Life-giving, in fact. Maui approached a red and yellow substance that moved like seaweed underwater. Maui attempted to hold this substance and was burned. Maui had discovered fire. He left this new island and immediately pulled another from the ocean one to go immediately south of this north island. Maui brought the gift of fire to the south island, and these two new worlds would later be called the Land of the Long Cloud, or Aotearoa, the country we now know as New Zealand. And when Captain James Cook first arrived to these islands and asked what the land was called, the people told him the North Island was Teika a Maui, or Maui's great fish. And some say the South Island is Tewaka a Maui, or Maui's canoe. But that's just the New Zealand story. All the Polynesian islands have their own Maui creation myths and legends. Of his lifting of the sky, his discovery of fire, his slowing of the sun. And who knows... Maybe Maui, demigod and creator of islands, travelled far to the other side of the world and pulled a small island up in the northwest Atlantic Ocean, a land to be settled by the Tua de Danam. The End Eheinei Maira Kamate ahau iti aruhae. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Neve Kavanagh. And I'm Gerald Farrelly. And we are the hosts of Agony Rants. We have been friends for a long time and on Agony Rants, we do what we've always done. Talk about people behind their backs and make suggestions on how they can improve their lives. No, we cheer them up on Monday morning and help them with their problems. By meddling in areas in which we are dangerously unqualified. Why don't you join us each week for a new episode? You'll find us wherever you do your listening with special bonus content for subscribers on headstuffpodcasts.com. Agony Rants, out now on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And that is the tale of Maui, creator of islands on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, (laughs) That recording had to be interrupted a couple of times. I'm hoping will be unnoticeable in the edit. If not, I will have to re-record the entire story. Um, A fire alarm went off at one point and then I got called away to do sound check uh, for the show. Uh, which is in about 45 minutes. I've warm up in 15 minutes. I'll be well done by then. Um, so hopefully the edit will be clean on that. I'll be interested to see when I'm li- listening if I can tell the difference between vocally before and after I did the sound check because we ran Jersey Boys, so we were singing Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, which is quite a tough one for sound check twice through. Um, but yes, this story, because we don't have a huge amount of time, um, this this uh, was so much fun to do, of course. It's always incredibly interesting when you're so used to working within one culture's mythology to go to a totally differing one and see the differences and the similarities. But as I said briefly at the beginning, yes, um, this Maui kind of has greater accomplishments than pretty much any other figure in any culture's mythology, especially for someone who is half mortal, you know, someone who died. Because like even the the Greek gods, you know, in their in their mythos, in their story of how the cosmos was created, creating the the planets and the skies and creating the seas and fire and everything, like those are all kind of the individual tasks of respective gods and none of the Celtic gods really did anything on on that kind of scale. That's almost a thing I've always liked about Celtic mythology is that the world just existed to them and that they if there was a part to play in the creation of that world, they didn't believe they had any part of that. I liked, I always liked the humility of that. But Maui did just about everything, you know, literally pulling the islands from the sea and and bringing fire to man. And yes, he, used, he used, later uses his fish hook to lasso the sun and to slow it, to give us its slower rotation and give us the 24 hours. And there's countless other tales like I'd highly recommend. Um, I'll leave the link in the description to the book that I used for this, the main source. I used a few online sources as well, but there was a, a book I discovered. It actually came from um, a treasury of uh, of sea tales and um I forget the name of the book. I'll put the name link in the description below that I pulled a lot of the uh, sea stories that I'd done when I was covering Grania Whale doing Grace O'Malley last year. Um, and I was doing some aquatic and marine tales such as, uh, you know, the Celtic Atlantis, the Lost City of East and, and stories like that that all came from that book, that treasury of sea folklore. Um, there was a story about Maui in that. There was this story about Maui in that actually and that was the first time I discovered the... New Zealand connection and the New Zealand version of that creation myth. 
Um, so it's been really planted since then. So it's really nice to come back around. But I'll put the link to the other book uh, specifically on Polynesian mythology that and Maui tales. That is incidentally that um, the only verbatim part in my story here is that speech that Maui's eldest brother, all three of Maui's brothers are also called Maui. Uh, but just for the sake of clarity, I didn't include that part in the main tale. Um, when he says, never mind, let him be our dear brother in the days of peace. Remember the proverb, when you are on friendly terms, settle your disputes in a friendly way. When you are at war, you must redress your inquiries by violence and all of that. That's all verbatim from Polynesian mythology, because I just thought it was a really fascinating speech, um, particularly um, this kind of lesson uh, that um, that these are the way that a ways for people to become uh to be that kindness is how you gain influence um i love that naturally what who wouldn't like that as a as a moral um that these are the ways by which men gain influence by laboring for an abundance of food to feed others by collecting property to give to others or by similar means by which you promote the good of others that's obviously an incredible incredible ethos um and so i want i couldn't rewrite that in a better way i thought um so i wanted to keep that verbatim um and yes i've completely like naturally the story i was interested in was the island creation myth um, because I was specifically the creation of New Zealand, that version of it. And also it tied nicely in with me coming from an island nation as well. It was nice to be able to start in Ireland and, and route back around to make it just feel like it exists in the same world, which of course it does exist on the same world, but in this same mythological world where you could imagine the Tuatha and Maui meeting in in a sense. Um, that's always what I like. I like those kind of connections um but i did with the creation myth i also put in his kind of birth myth as well of being thrown off the island and premature and being gestated by the jellyfish taken to the world of the gods and then being brought back home and going from someone who was mother cast in the waves to becoming his mother's favorite and very very godlike attitude towards your mortal children for sure it's very um, there's echoes of Greek in that of the abandonment abandonment of innocent mortal babies um, but Maui refusing to die and then discovering he is this shapeshifter and following his mother into the underworld and this incredible detail of his, his iconic fish hook which is still a hugely hugely important symbol here um, the punamu which is the, the jade the green stone that's very important in New Zealand um, one of the common shapes that you get that cut into that's important to the Maori here is is it in the shape of Maui's hook, um, which I adore as well. Um, and that being cut, but that being cut originally from ancestors' bones and Maui going one step further by going into the underworld to this ancestor with half a dead face and half an alive face. And then, yes, knowing that this this hook could only be used for great and important means... And what better means than by literally fishing for islands? Um, so beautiful. It's I mean, it's all there. It's it's so much fun. I mean, maybe I find this so much fun because of, there's the certain distance from it as well. It's almost easier to to focus on the the difference in a story to the stuff we normally do. But it is still a tale of the sea, um, and it is still a tale of a of a pre of a pre settled time. 
um, and a story of family, you know, <laughs> these are things, these are the things and the elements that are universal and of, and of destiny and of the trickster, the trickster god, you know, which every world mythology does. We like someone who is a little bit devious. We like people who are clever and the people who survive. I think that's one of the reasons we love trickster, trickster gods and trickster myths so much. Um, that song I did at the end, actually, that is Pocarecare uh, Ana, which is uh, an old Maori World War One song uh, commemorating the conflict of the soldiers who fought over there. And it's a song that tells the story of someone whose love is across the sea and a lover who's asking for the the waves to calm at the end uh, to calm so that he and his lover can be reunited. So very much a tale of the sea and very very important song here. A song that we actually do in the show we do in World of Musicals in the second half, um, which has been going down really well because we were unsure we wanted to do it appropriately, we wanted to work very hard on our pronunciation and everything, but it has been being received incredibly well. And I thought it, given its um maritime nature it seemed appropriate to finish it with that there but i will wrap things up now here i will go warm up and share and put on my makeup and do all that kind of stuff and then do the show this evening and um, but i hope you all enjoyed this tale it was very very special to get to do something like this especially while being here as always let me know your thoughts if i especially if i have any polynesian listeners out there either in new zealand or anywhere across the islands and um, please let me know. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, hope everybody enjoyed it. Let me know your thoughts regardless. Um, next week is <laughs> the 200th episode of Fireside. Four, four very long, happy years. Still 200 episodes. Um, and we have something very special planned. Um, we are going back in to our cattle raids we have the Tonbo Freak next week. We have the Cattle Raid of Freak. The Tonbo Kuna, the Cattle Raid of Cooley, is the great epic of Irish mythology. But there are many other Tons. And one of the most significant other ones is Tonbo Freak. So we're about to dive back into a whole new cycle of Ulster tales that all were used in and around and to build up and to enter and exit the Ton. Very, very excited. It's been incredible to be back with characters such as Queen Maeve and Cucullin and all and seemed very very appropriate for the 200th episode and going forward um, very excited to share with you particularly this episode this one was a huge and it'll be a very special one um, so hope you all look forward to that um, I will see you all all the usual ways uh, follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard share this on your story email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com buy garden seed get your orders in for Christmas while you still can we can ship anywhere around the world or you can get it instantly in Kindle version um, I'm going to see you all um, you can also support Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com all the links are in the description below I'll see you all you'll hear me all next time and remember wherever you are and wherever you go you can always join me by the fireside This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.